You're listening to the Coffee and Clergy Podcast. I'm Pastor Scott, and we're glad that you're joining us today. You can watch us live on YouTube or Facebook on Wednesday mornings, or you can check us out in audio format wherever you get your podcasts. Without further ado, let's get into the conversation. Welcome to Coffee and Clergy. I'm Pastor Scott Pitch. Glad to have you here with us today. Uh, We're taking a break from our uh, current series on uh, vocation, and we're going to be doing another what we call single shot uh, of Coffee and Clergy. Um, We have back with us our esteemed uh, two-time guest now, my brother, Pastor Sam Pitch uh, from Moorhead, Minnesota. Welcome, Sam. How are you? Doing fine. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Great to have you. Um, so I, I think that we kind of last time talked a little bit about um, life as a pastor and uh, people who might, you know, things people might consider if they know someone who might be good for the role of, of pastor or minister. Um, so we had uh, a discussion to kind of prepare to uh, do this discussion. And uh, we kind of both had a uh, an idea that that maybe a thing that might be of benefit for people uh, to hear a little bit more from their from a pastor about is the idea of uh, sort of end of life concerns. And uh, I know that's not necessarily the the most uh, rainbow and sunshine thing to talk about, and yet it's very important, and it's definitely something that we all need to contend with, and things we need to get figured out because if we don't, they can cause a lot of problems. So. I love would love to hear your opinion on those uh, matters, and so let's have a discussion about that. But before we do, let's open with a prayer, if that's all right with us. So let's, let's go before our Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day and for the opportunity that we have to have a good conversation around this topic of, uh, of the end of our life. Lord, we know it's not an easy topic to consider. We'd rather avoid it. We'd rather uh, kick it down the road, but we know that it's important uh, that we uh, we consider the fact that we are mortal, that we are uh, not here on this earth forever, that we are uh, people with a beginning, a middle, and an end, and how we can conduct ourselves with dignity and uh, with faithfulness. And so I pray this day that you would uh, send your Holy Spirit to guide us in this discussion, help us to consider how we might uh, live as Christians when considering these uh, end-of-life kind of factors. And I pray, God, most importantly, that uh, you would help us to be reminded of the, uh, the love that you have for us as uh, your dear children. So we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's uh, perhaps get into it from, from the perspective of uh, a, a Christian person. What, what kinds of things should we think about uh, as we age, as we come towards the end of our life, or if maybe we have a a bad diagnosis, or, or really just in general, we consider the ends of our life, Sam. What do you think? There's a couple ways you could approach a question like that. Uh, I think, given my current situation, uh, I think about some of the practical concerns. Um, I'm a pastor, a sole pastor up here in Minnesota, and I've had 11 funerals just this summer, and so it's pretty fresh in my in my head. And, and I think the first thing uh 
besides making sure you're right with the Lord and your faith is kind of in the right place and, and, and being at peace uh, with those that you love, I think uh, something I'd like everyone to consider is uh, have a funeral. I, I think that's my number one encouragement to people who might be facing the end of their life. Have a funeral because it's important. Um, I don't know. It might be this way in, in the St. Louis area. It's definitely up here uh, in Minnesota, a certain Midwestern humility where we don't want to make a fuss and maybe it'll be easier to just not have a funeral or, or do something small. Um, but I'd encourage you to seize the opportunity to proclaim the gospel to your friends and family one more time uh, by having a funeral. That, that, that would be my number one encouragement. Um, the funeral uh, industry <laughs> um, is changing. You talk to funeral directors and they'll tell you that people are sort of opting out of religious services or, or any sort of service at all. Um, but also the nature of funerals is, is maybe misunderstood a little bit in our modern culture. Maybe we have sort of a pop culture idea of what a funeral is uh, when we need to return to more of a, a theological understanding of why we have funerals and, and what the message is. So uh, that would be, that would sort of be the first thing uh, that I would say, have a funeral. Yeah. The so, message that you get to proclaim is, is very, very important. So what would you say is kind of the difference in, in just broad terms between a funeral and just sort of like a service of the celebration of someone's life? Yeah, it's a, it's a big one, right? Um, a funeral is an opportunity to look at the deceased, not as a St. Louis Cardinals fan or the vice president of a bank or whatever it might be, because that ultimately doesn't matter. That has no bearing on your eternal fate, your destiny, eternal life. Uh, a funeral is an opportunity to look at the deceased in the only way that truly matters, uh, a child of God, someone that Christ died for, uh, someone who has been washed in the waters of baptism, someone that has a, a, a beautiful inheritance uh, to receive. And, uh, and as Christians, that's something that, that we need to proclaim and celebrate. And, and so I think that's the big difference. Are we looking at the deceased kind of in their earthly terms, um, dust in the wind kind of stuff? Or are we really, are we really putting forward the eternal uh, the eternal life that they are receiving. Yeah. And I think sometimes the reason why people um, fail to do that is they like to think that the thing that makes the death of the person they love easier are the fond remembrances and the stories. And those are important things, certainly. And there's a, a time and a place for those. But ultimately, we know that as Christians, the only thing that can truly give comfort aren't those sort of earthly here today, gone tomorrow kind of uh, well wishes and remembrances, but rather it's the, the sure and certain hope of the promise of the resurrection. That's really the only thing that gives hope and peace in times of, of mourning. Absolutely. So, so we've talked a little bit about kind of why it's important to have a funeral, what a funeral is, but who is a funeral really about? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's this, it's this balance, you know, is the funeral about the deceased? And a lot of services are like that. 
Um, maybe not in our tradition, um, but you know, uh, you know, a lot of celebrations of life or memorial services. Um, you know, he was a Green Bay Packers fan. He was, you know, this, that, and the other. And, and we get up there and, and maybe eulogize that person and and we tell lies. Oh, he was the greatest guy I've ever met and he would never do anything to harm anyone and he never told a lie. And he, you know, we, we just get up there and we start kind of lying about who a person is. And, and there's a biblical reality about who we are. Like we are sinners, right? But as Christians, we also know there's another side, like we, there's a sainted side. There's a, a, a real righteousness that we have received from Christ. And so we don't want to make funerals all about the deceased because who are they by their own merit and strength? Well, they're in trouble. Mm -hmm. So a funeral is about Jesus. But I think as Lutherans, we can maybe go even a little bit too, it's going to sound funny, but hear me out, maybe too far in, in that regard, uh, where, where a funeral sermon has nothing to do with the person's life of faith. You know, it's it's almost like a pastor could pull out a, a template with a bunch of blanks in it and just put the deceased name in there. <laughs> you know, God made blank. God, you know, Jesus died for blank. Blank has the hope of eternal life. And that's fine. That's better than the alternative. But I think the needle that I try to thread in preaching funerals is to talk about Christ from the perspective of the deceased, what Jesus did for them. Mm -hmm. who this person was because of, of God and all the gifts that, that they received from God. And so I think, I think that's one of those situations where you can fall off the horse too far to the sort of, you know, celebration of the deceased. Um, it's better to fall off the horse on the other side and just talk about Jesus. But I think there's maybe a higher goal that at least I have for funeral sermons is to not talk about how great the person was, but to talk about how this person was a recipient of, of God's grace and God's promises, um, how this person maybe in some instances was a great witness to, to the, uh, to the love of Christ. And, uh, and now that their earthly course has, has finished, they have this great promise and hope and inheritance that they are receiving. And when you talk about this person who's deceased and what Christ has done for them, it gives you an opportunity to talk to everyone in the, you know, in the congregation about what Christ has done for them and the promises that Christ has made to them. <clears throat> so that's to answer your question, who's the funeral about? Well, it's it's about Jesus, mm -hmm. but it's about what Jesus has done for the deceased and, and what Jesus has done for you, um, because you're going to be in that casket or that urn someday. And, uh, yeah. and people are, people are primed to listen at funerals. Mm -hmm. That's sort of what's going through my mind right now to bring it sort of more personal than to think about some other person that you know, and how they conduct themselves. Think about your own life. If your own life is a story, you have a beginning, a middle and an end. This funeral is sort of like an epilogue to your, the novel that is you. So what, what summary or epilogue or, or bringing it all together do you want your life story to say? Do you want to say he was a Green Bay Packers fan? He was a Cardinals fan. He was a great guy. You know, he was a good guy to sit down and have a beer with. Like, 
those aren't necessarily the worst things to be known in life. I mean, you could be known as a dictator and a terrorist and stuff, and that you don't want to be known as that kind of thing. But there's a much better thing than being a fan of something or, you know, a guy to hang out with saying he was a Christian, a guy who Christ lived for, died for, who um, who took the the message and the reality of the Christian faith and and embodied it. And uh, his his race is done. And this is the race that that you, too, uh, can enjoy and run in as well and receive the prize for at the end. And I think that's what a lot of people today are missing when they don't take the advantage to make the end of their life story worth hearing about, um, to hear how Christ is at the center and and throughout the whole of the story of, of their life. One thing I encourage people to do in my congregation, and you probably do there at King of Kings as well, is is to make some arrangements to, to pre-plan elements of your funeral and, and not just with the funeral home and flowers and, and burial plots, although that's very important. You should do that. Come and meet with your pastor. You know, here at my church, we have a form that people can fill out and it's pretty simple, but it's things like what scripture readings would you like read at your funeral? What hymns would you like sung? Um, I, I even ask, is there a, is there a sermon theme that, that you would like me to pick up on in the funeral sermon? Scott you know, was is there a, a, is there a passage of scripture or a story or something that yeah. that that really that's really resonated with you and and you want people the people you love the most to hear about? Mm-hmm. So I I'm I'm a big I'm a big advocate for pre planning for a couple of reasons. Like you mentioned, if if your funeral is sort of an epilogue, it's the last words you get to speak to your friends and family, make them good, right? Make them about Christ and the hope that they can have which is the hope that you have. So it's a very good opportunity. Pre-plan that. Another reason why I promote that is because I've seen this a couple of times and it kind of breaks my heart. Um, If you don't do that pre-planning, there's a fairly good chance you're not going to have the funeral that you wanted. Um, If you leave it to kids or grandkids, uh, especially if they're not active in the life of the church, you could very well just get the path of least resistance. You might get a, a little, you know, a little memorial service at the funeral home where they don't even call the pastor. They maybe somebody from the family stands up and says, Oh, we, we loved grandma's cookies. You know, she was so nice, but you're not going to get that, that Christian funeral uh, that you might've wanted. You got to make your wishes known. That's, that's what I'm. Uh, that's what I'm advocating for. I, I tell it to my congregation, probably five times a year. I'll kind of remind them: if you haven't made those plans, it, it's worth it's worth an hour of your time. Come and sit down with me. Yeah, make them known, and I think also, if possible, make them written down. Yeah, uh, put them on so paper. That people can follow uh, pretty close instructions. I think give it to the funeral home. Give it to the church. Give it to your yeah. kids. Give it to your kids. Um, and and most of the time, people that have written instructions to follow and want to honor and respect the deceased person. So they're not going to be like, you know what? Grandma didn't know what she was talking about. Let's do Leonard Skinner, you know, (laughs) instead that's, that's, they're not going to do that. Um, But it's sort of one of those things you have to be intentional and, and, and I'm not, we're not just talking, I think to, to elderly people in the church. I think, you know, they're especially, um, there's an important need for for people who are elderly in the church or or have illnesses to make sure they have their their affairs in order in a lot of different ways but especially in this way in this uh 
funeral and sort of end of life legacy kind of way. But really all of us should to some extent make known if the worst were to happen, if I were to get hit by a bus tomorrow, I, I would like something akin to this at least. And then if not, if not a, to a greater detail, figure out what you want to say um, in your epilogue. Yep. Very good. Okay. Um, maybe let's move from there into kind of a talk about how you, you mentioned some practical considerations. We mentioned how to sort of uh, communicate to your family certain things, but what, what kind of advice do you have about ways of uh, operating with uh, communicating with funeral home or what things you should look for maybe in a funeral home uh, or uh, cemetery burial plot kind of thing? Is there any, any considerations we should have there practically? You know, a lot of that's a matter of taste. Um, do your homework, shop around. Um, it, it can be jarring how expensive it is. And, and I, I, I'm, I try to stay out of the business side of it, but I will say this, at least up here in Moorhead, Minnesota and Fargo, North Dakota, I've worked with probably six or seven different funeral homes and they've all done a really great job. You know, their, their, their work is a very interesting kind of work. Um, it's a ministry of sorts, mm -hmm. um, but, but it's, I, it's hard to think of a job that's more multifaceted than being a, a funeral director. You know, they, they get a degree in mortuary science and depending on the funeral home, they might be the people who meet with the families up front, you know, uh, deal with hospitals and death certificates and all the paperwork. If you're getting buried, they might be the ones who embalm you, who do your makeup, uh, who arrange the catering for your funeral, who are there on your funeral day, kind of maybe wheeling your casket down the center aisle. They're the ones you know, who are setting up things at the cemetery. It's, it's a very interesting job. Um, a lot of it is your gut feeling. You know, a lot of it is shopping around, talking to people, finding a funeral home uh, that you feel comfortable with, um, where you feel that their services and, and products are, are reasonable. Um, but I, 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 I have found myself, um, and I'm sure there's some slimy ones out there, just like in any industry, but the funeral directors I've worked with in my short career as a pastor, I have a lot of admiration for them. Yeah. Um, so shop around, find someone you're comfortable with. That, that, that would really be my simple advice. Okay. What about the topic of uh, your, your remains? What, what should be done with your remains when you throw off this mortal coil, Sam? It depends who you ask, right? Mm -hmm. And what era in church history you might be a part of. Um, that's a, that's a question that some people are worried about in your church and some people they haven't thought about it at all. Some people, they want to be buried, casket, vault, you know, the whole deal, open casket, visitation. I think that's great. Um, that's, that's what I wish for myself personally, but other people, they say, no, I've already got it planned out. I'm going to be cremated. And, uh, it depends who you ask about that personally. Um, what I've seen is about 60, 40 burials versus cremations in the services that I've done. Um, I don't have a problem with it. I don't bat an eye on it, but there are some, uh, based on theology or history might take some exception to cremation. Um, and most of the people in the church who are cremated today, it's, it's for practical concerns. It might be cost. It might be 
transportability of the cremains. People have different reasons, you know. But, uh, you know, there are some within the church who would look at the biblical witness about cremation and see that it is something the pagans did. Uh, they might look at early centuries of the church and and see that cremation was an affront to the Christian hope of the resurrection of the body. Uh, that, that is to say that, that some were cremated uh, centuries and centuries ago as a way to sort of mock God. You know, if Christians believe that uh, I'm going to be raised in my body, uh, let's see God put together these ashes again. Let's see him raise these ashes. Now, I this is where it, this is what it comes down to for me. What is the intent? What is the motive of the person? You know, I, I've never run into a Christian, <laughs> a member of the church for 70 years who is being cremated as any sort of affront to God. It's just a practical consideration. So that's why it doesn't bother me. But it, it does bother some some pastors, some theologians. And, uh, you know, talk to your pastor about it. That's all I can say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, think I will one say other... that I will can, can I make one more point about yeah, that. Go ahead. If you are cremated, I would encourage you to not have your ashes scattered. I know that's like a romantic thing. You see it in movies or TV shows. Oh, you know, dad loved playing golf. So uh, Pebble Beach, the golf course out in California, you know, security is very vigilant because a lot of people want their ashes scattered on, on Pebble Beach because they love golf or we're scattering grandma's ashes on the family farm or he loves fishing. So out at the lake or whatever. Um, to me, that is not a good witness about the hope we have that Christ will return and raise us on the last day. Yeah. I would say if you are cremated, like have your cremains sort of, you know, interred some way or, or at least kept interred. together. Yeah. I think it's a not, not that God can't put, back together scattered ashes he can but that's a big part of the burial uh, and just the funeral itself are we expressing the hope that we have yeah. through our choices yeah i was going to take that word the witness that you make i think that's a big part of, of why we're talking about this whole topic is i think a lot of people are not considering the witness that they make about their christian faith and their end of life matters they're just kind of avoiding talking about it because it's uncomfortable they're maybe afraid of you know what's out there which is something that we as christians should not be afraid of is what what lies ahead for us and so that witness that christian witness that you can kind of boldly say this is the end of my earthly life until i take up my life again in christ on the resurrection so that we'll get a little bit more into that resurrection topic later but but considering what witness you make in your funeral at the end of your life, those are things worth considering and spending some time thinking about. Absolutely. That's, that's what it's all about. When you think about it. I mean, you're, you die. We can say you are with Christ, right? Mm -hmm. So your funeral is not about that. It's about what you are communicating to those. I mean, it's, it's sort of this classic saying, and it's it's kind of mostly true, right? Funerals aren't for the dead; they are for the living. Yeah, true. All right, so let's move on to the topic of the funeral service um, as it as it should be. Let's build an ideal kind of funeral service. Um, obviously, there's 
we mentioned there, there could be a template that could be very dry and you could just be insert name here and you could do a funeral service that way. You could also have, you know, dust in the wind and Freebird played on the rock and roll and a quick eulogy to make sure grandpa knows we're thinking of him. So what's, what's a good uh, sort of um, funeral service look like? Yeah, I'd say first and foremost, it's a worship service. You know, um, it's a worship service that is not that unlike a Sunday morning service. Um, there's a difference, right, in that we are being very specific about the the gifts of Christ and the promises of Christ and the presence of God. Uh, kind of in a corporate worship service, we kind of think about the church at large, where at a funeral, we kind of narrow it down and focus how God doesn't just make his promises to his church, but, but he made these promises to, you know, Kathy or Larry or whoever's in the, in the box, so to speak. So it's a worship service. And, and a lot of those elements are going to be present. Start with an invocation, right? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. End with a benediction, right? Say the Lord's Prayer. Confess the Creed read scripture like a, a lot of it's you know don't don't lose track of what it is it is a worship service uh, like every worship service god is there with his presence with his promises with his gifts and we are there to return our thanks and praise so in a in a very real way it's a it's another worship service but it is different as well mm -hmm. so there are a few things that that we'll think about um I think one of the uh, things we do in the Lutheran church that's really good and usually very early on in any funeral service we do is we remember the deceased baptismal identity. So again, not their identity as a, you know, as a, a dog catcher or, you know, an opera singer or whatever. We remember their baptismal identity, that they are baptized into Christ's death and resurrection and just as Christ died and rose again, they will as well. And uh, there's even some really good symbolism that goes with that. Um, a lot of churches have a funeral pall. Do you guys have a funeral pall? At we do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a good thing. It's If you don't know what that is, it's, it's essentially a quilt or a sheet uh, that you drape over the casket. And, uh, and it picks up on this theme that we have in Scripture that in holy baptism, we are clothed in the robe of Christ's righteousness that covers all of our sins. And that's a really, that's a really just beautiful image when you think about it. The idea is that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin, our disobedience, our rebellion. He sees the righteousness and obedience of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And we are covered in the righteousness of Christ in baptism. And so if you've ever wondered why people drape that sheet or quilt, over the casket that's what it's about it's saying this deceased person they are secure because they are clothed in christ yeah so and there's the the sort of redemption language too that comes to my mind of like the financial being paid for when you when you go to you know out to lunch with somebody and you pay the bill you say i got it covered right it's yeah. like you're covered, <laughs> you're covered. I mean, that's a weak it's analogy but yeah it, it no, makes no, sense it, right it, i like it i like yeah. it all right. So, um, think, what uh, about? Think, Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just say the the baptismal remembrance. That's a that's a staple at least of of Lutheran funeral services. Yeah. You mentioned earlier about uh, 
talking with your pastor before you reached the end of your life about end of life matters. And you mentioned one thing in, in uh, particular, and that was a uh, sermon theme. So what do you mean by that exactly? You know, it, it might be something small, you know, <laughs> I, it was maybe my first couple months on the job up here. And we had a lady who passed away that I had never met. And uh, one of the joys I have as a pastor is to meet with the families of the deceased to kind of hear their story and to hear about, you know, not just their hobbies and interests and, and biographical information, but to hear about their faith a little bit. And, and this, this particular uh, woman had filled out one of those baptismal forms. And in the, in the little line that says sermon theme, she just put uh, faith like a mustard seed. There was something about Jesus teaching uh, that it always stuck with her. And it's something that she uh, she wanted her family and friends to hear upon her passing. That even a little bit of faith can do marvelous, miraculous things. Mm-hmm. And that, what a great message to proclaim at a funeral. You know, what can a little bit of faith do? What did it do for her? You know, what, what can it do for you? So that's that's one little example that sticks out to me. Some people sometimes people will write like three words, <laughs> five words, faith like a mustard seed, you know, um, and it'll give me this sort of jumping off point uh, to write a to write a sermon. I had the privilege of of really walking with a lady who passed away this summer, Marlis, and and she had terminal cancer, but she was very much herself right up to the very end, and and we talked and. You know, we plan the service together and that's not always the case. You know, we don't all die the same way. Sometimes it's suddenly and unexpectedly. Sometimes our, our sort of mental faculties go first and our body kind of goes later. You maybe don't get to have those conversations, but she knew she had a couple months. And so we met and, uh, and we talked about a lot of things and we were able to talk about kind of as she stood and look back at her whole life, what she felt was maybe a regret of hers, or at least something that she wanted her family to know. And she talked about forgiveness. And she talked about being at peace with people. Like to her, that's that's maybe something she saw in her own family. Maybe something that she regretted from her past was holding grudges. But she wanted to talk to me uh, about talking to everyone else about forgiveness. No and, hard and feelings, so, right? Sam? No hard feelings, exactly. Yeah. That was very much her, her, her message to her family. So, those, you know, I, I love when people half write their own funeral sermon mm-hmm. <laughs> because, it, it, you know, if you write sermons, you know what it's like. Writing the sermon isn't the problem; it's coming up with the idea, mm-hmm. you know, the the theme, the spark. Yeah, yeah. Once you have that, the rest just kind of happens. But, mm-hmm. but coming and, and when someone helps me with that. Um, you know, it makes it a lot easier to personalize uh, the message to to be very kind of specific. You know, to kind of operate with a scalpel instead of a hammer. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so I've always enjoyed that. We had an example of that here too. Um, before COVID came, do you remember? You remember Dr. Flaxbart from uh, Missouri S and T, Sam? Do you remember sure. him? Yeah. He uh, he was one of the members here at King of Kings, Barry Flaxbart, and he. Um, he talked to me before uh, he passed away and gave me some 
themes, I guess you could say. And basically, if you if you whittled down his um, thing to a couple of words, it would be uh, Barry is a sinner who needs a savior. And so he said, don't make the funeral about me, make it about Jesus. And I thought, all right, let's do this. <laughs> and I think it I, probably I had... got under some people's skin because it's like you shouldn't be talking bad about a person at their funeral. But that's exactly what he wanted. He wanted to be made less so that Christ could be made more. I thought that was a beautiful testimony, too. You know, very similar thing happened to me a couple of weeks ago. A lady named Elaine passed away and she was married to a Lutheran pastor for over 50 years so she she got it like she got the the sinner in need of a, a savior part and uh there's this sort of irony about that when someone gets it like that those are kind of the people you want to talk about the most <laughs> yeah and, and, I, and i did a little bit and uh she has she has three sons and one of the sons came up to me afterwards and and in good spirit said she would have hated that. But I appreciated it very much. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's this irony of people who, who get it and do not want to talk. Of, they don't want the pastor to say anything about them, right? It's just about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Those are the people we're talking about a little bit because they they understand that it is about Jesus. They've embodied yeah. their, their faith as part of their life. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, you talk about themes. Sometimes they just write themselves. I uh, there was a man in our congregation, Manuel. He was a farmer, but he was really known for his carpentry skills, and he did a lot of projects around the church. You know, like big stuff, like built our pulpit and our communion rail and stuff like that. And uh, carpenter, you know, and think about Jesus's sort of family vocation, carpenter, and and talking about this one carpenter you know, can talk, can, can lead you into talking about sort of the ultimate carpenter and Jesus. And, you know, sometimes they just kind of write themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have any fishermen in your congregation, do you? <laughs> well, plenty up here, but uh, <laughs> I believe that a lot. Shepherds. You know, Shepherds. <laughs> All right. Um, let's go into a discussion on the theology of the body, Sam. You wrote that down as a topic. I think it's one that... Can I, can I make one more point? Uh, you yeah, know, we kind of talked about the, the, the service a little bit, some of those themes, some of the things that are included. But I think there, there are some themes that tend to come up in the prayers or, or the sermon. Uh, uh, certain scripture readings that I think are worth noting a little bit. Um, some of the themes that really stand out preaching a funeral i think one of the big ones is is grieving but not without hope i guess you'd say grieving with hope Mm -hmm. and uh you know first thessalonians chapter four talks about that you know Uh, i think that's an important thing we need to tell people come funeral time is it is good and righteous and christian to grieve death um, some well-meaning christians they try to skip over that part oh well, what are you crying for don't you believe that betty's with jesus this is a celebration well death is not some like great escape although we talk about it that way sometimes you read about death in the bible it is the last enemy to be destroyed it is the curse that came along with sin the wages of sin is death it separates us from 
those that we love. It is the undoing of God's creation. It is, it's a bad thing. And when your heart is broken because of death, it doesn't mean you lack faith. But as Christians, we do not despair, right? We don't, we don't fall apart because we believe in the promises of Christ. You think about the story, the classic story that that's worth thinking about come funeral time. What, what story am I thinking about? Jesus and Lazarus, right? Mm-hmm. And what does Jesus do? He cries. Mourns, he weeps. Yeah. Right? He mourns the death of his friend Lazarus. Mm-hmm. Knowing full well he's going to raise him from the dead. <laughs> but death is still bad. And so it's it's again it's it's one of those situations where mourn when you lose a loved one and don't let anyone don't let anyone make you feel ashamed of that but also recognize that there's a great hope uh, that we should have as christians even in the face of death this great enemy that that plagues humanity so that's a big theme that can kind of come up during funeral messages i i like to remind people that that mourning is good. Yeah. It is it is it is Christian to do. Mm-hmm. So that that's a big one. Um, another theme that I like to bring out in funeral sermons is this great picture painted in Revelation twenty one about the new heavens, new earth, about the dwelling place of God being with with us. Um, and, and the way that sort of eternity is described in Revelation in this passage isn't so much by what is there, but by what isn't there. Mm. It talks about how, how uh, he will wipe every tear from our eye. In that place, there will be, you know, no more mourning, no more tears, no more death, uh, I don't have the translation in front of me, but it's 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 this no more pain, perhaps. It's this idea that, you know, this side of heaven, there's all sorts of malady, right? There's cancer, there's mental illness, there's all sorts of bad things, right? There there's heart disease, there's you go on and on. What does existence look like with none of those things? Um, with no more sin. it's a a beautiful picture it's impossible to imagine but it's it's this beautiful thing to think about we get glimpses of it though that's sort of what i'm thinking is it's like all the best parts of what we have and none of the worst parts it's like a it's like in trail mix it's like you don't get any of the stuff you don't want only the stuff you do oh yeah (laughs) only the m&ms and the and the peanuts not the other stuff (laughs) yeah so that's a that's a that's a great theme that you can kind of bring out um funeral time and, and one more i think uh i think something that can bring a lot of hope and comfort to a grieving family is the idea of a glorious reunion um, we have a world where sometimes we'll talk about the finality of death you know that's what hurts the most i think for a lot of people at a funeral is I don't get to talk to Jerry anymore where my beloved Susan is gone. Well, she's gone for a little while, but she had faith. You have faith. Christ died for both of you. 
you'll see her again. Yep. I think that's whether that's a uh, husband and wife or that's, you know, it's a tough situation, but I've seen it. A parent who loses a child, you know, it's uh, to be able to proclaim a, a, a blessed reunion with the other saints, maybe the saints who have gone before you or, or those who will come after you, but to talk about the reunion uh, that we have in store is a, is a, a very encouraging thing to bring up. Yeah, a, a favorite one for us at King of Kings is uh, John chapter four. Um, Jesus goes to prepare a place. You believe in God, believe also. My house, there's many rooms. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's one of the ones that often gets used here. And I think it's sort of got a, sort of that, that image of um, where is, you use Jerry and Susan, where is Jerry? I, I won't get to talk to them. Well, Jerry's with Jesus. And, and that's where we want to be. We want to be with Jesus and Jerry. We want to, we want to be there. Uh, and what, what does that is the faith that we have, uh, what Christ has done for us. So, yeah. Yeah. Very good. So those are, those are some, some go-to themes. I'll give you one more bonus one real quick. If you're ever, a, if you're ever a new pastor in a new setting, you're going to be doing funerals for people you never met. And I'm, I'm, I'm at a point here where I'm in year three, where I'm starting to know the people um, you know, that I'm officiating their funeral. But my first year, I never met some of these people. And so I found that it's, it's still a pretty strong theme to say, I didn't know, you know, Ethel. But God knows Ethel. And he has known her from the beginning. And he saw her through this and this and this. And now she sees Christ face to face, you know? So sometimes I get that, you know, I got that question a lot a year or two ago. It's like, how do you do funerals for people you've never met? You, because it doesn't really matter if I've met them or not. Like God, God knows them. Right. So that, those are, those are some key themes that, that, that I like to bring out in uh, in funeral sermons yeah yeah all right let's talk theology of the body when it comes yeah. to the end of our life what what kinds of uh things should we be thinking about what god's will is for for how we conduct ourselves yeah you know there are certain beliefs that have crept into the the minds of christians that aren't really christian that maybe have roots and some other philosophies gnosticism or whatever it might be philosophies that would say well i'm not my body i'm my soul and my body is just a husk or a vessel and it doesn't really matter but that's just not a biblical way of thinking about the body i'm just a stranger here heaven is my home sure it's not it's not my favorite hymn either Mm -mm. (laughs) but you think about you think about the body biblically speaking when God creates Adam and Eve, when he makes you, he makes you body and soul. Like you're not your soul and he just like drops you in like a, a sack of meat or something like that. No, he he makes you body and soul. When Christ becomes man, right? He took on our flesh and dwelled among us. The body is important. You can think about it, you know, from the standpoint of the Holy Spirit. Because right? St. Paul writes about the, the body a lot. 
and how you should or shouldn't use your body because why you are a temple of the Holy Spirit yep. who dwells within you. The body is important. And so that needs to be uh, thought about during funeral proceedings is how do we honor the body that God made, the body that Christ redeemed, and the body in which the Holy Spirit dwelled? Let me, let me break in, though, Sam. What do you tell the people who have been fighting their body for decades before their death, though, and they just see their body as the enemy and can't wait to be free of it? It's 1 Corinthians 15, right? He uses a lot of different illustrations. You will be given... Well, I should maybe start with where 1 Corinthians 15 starts. It starts with the resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. His body was torn to shreds on the cross, right? He was beaten. And if you've seen the Passion of the Christ, you get it. And yet he was raised in the body. His disciples recognized him. He was physical, right? He could show his nail marks, which he retained kind of as a, as a, as a witness to his disciples that it was really him. He, uh, he ate fish with his disciples. He was... He was real. It was him. They recognized him. He was raised in the body. It was a new body, but it was his body. And it's, it's one of those things that we can't fully understand this side of eternal life. Mm-hmm. But the body's important. Jesus wasn't a ghost. Um, so First Corinthians goes on to talk about how Jesus's resurrection sort of foreshadows our bodily resurrection on the last day. Uh, the illustration that Paul uses is that he was the first fruits. We are the harvest. You know, if you want to know what's going to happen to you, look to Easter. That's going to happen to you someday. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to be you, but you're going to trade in your perishable body for an imperishable body, your mortal body for an immortal body, your sort of uh, your physical body is the word I think usually it's translated there for a spiritual body or maybe better yet a spirited body but the body still matters you know you think about Jesus they put him in the tomb he wasn't there anymore the tomb was empty and, and this is the image that we see as well and that's why we have cemeteries uh, do you know what do you know what that word cemetery means? I didn't know this until a little while ago. Nope. It it, it it it's the Greek word that we translate now is like dormitory, mm. which means sleeping place. Yeah. This is the whole idea, but behind cemeteries, it's like you go in the ground, and we know that for Christians, death is little more than sleep because we will be awoken. Awoken. Mm-hmm. And so you put your you put your name on your headstone, and it's it's like okay, Jesus, Jesus knows he doesn't need a headstone, but that's sort of the idea, right? It's like okay, this is one of my saints. I'm gonna wake him up, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to raise him up on the last day. Yeah, I, I've had that thought before about the word vault, right? That we put bodies in the vault, and I'm like, well, what do you put in a vault? You don't put something that you're gonna just forget forever. You put something that's precious that you're going to come and reclaim later, right? You put your bank, you know, jewels, you put money, you put 
you know, whatever it is that you want, your kid's birth certificate or whatever, you put it in the vault to keep it safe, to tend it until you come back and get it later. Right. Right. And so the actual just kind of transition on, because we're talking about funerals, like, well, a key component of the funeral service is the committal. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you have a funeral service in the church, perhaps maybe a funeral home, and you go out uh, for the burial. Sometimes it's that, that day, that afternoon, sometimes like up here in Minnesota, maybe the ground's super frozen and you, you come back another day. But it's good to have uh, a service at the graveside because that's what that service is is all about. It's about remembering the death and resurrection of Christ and how his burial wasn't final and how our burials won't be final either. And so we're asking God to sort of keep these remains until Christ returns on the last day. And this will be where they come. This will be where this person rises up again, right here on this spot. So if if you look at, if you pay attention to that, that committal liturgy, it's all about how, you know, Jesus hallowed graves by his own time in the grave and how his resurrection is going to point towards our resurrection on the last day. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, uh, I think one of the other areas where people sometimes have some confusion and get some ideas that are not exactly good theology is on the idea of what happens on that resurrection day. Maybe let's talk about that for a minute. Well, what do you mean? So I think sometimes people put too much emphasis on, um, going to be in heaven with Jesus, like that we're going to, we're going to die. You've mentioned like that we're, you know, we're putting our body in the ground so our soul can go to Jesus. And then that's where we are. And that's our destiny. We're in heaven. You know, you get the idea of like, we get our, an angel gets his wings kind of thing. And we're floating around on a cloud with a halo. So let's, let's differentiate that worldview with the, the actual worldview of what happens. Yeah. Um, couple, a couple thoughts come to mind. Um, did you have Dr. Jeff Gibbs at seminary? I didn't have him, but I heard his discussion on the idea of resurrection of the dead in a He's, little one class seminar thing. He wrote an article once called, uh, heaven's great, but it's not the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. I think it's something like that. I don't, I don't want to get it wrong, but it, it, that was the idea. I've also heard him use the illustration of hiking up a mountain. And if you ever look up at a mountain and say, I'm going to hike up to there. That's the highest point. And then you get there and you look up and there's, well, there's actually a higher point. And they call that initial point like the false summit. Mm-hmm. There's a higher summit. Mm-hmm. And so his whole idea or his illustration is this. For Christians, a lot of us have been taught that I die, my soul goes to heaven. My body goes in the ground, and that's it. And it's not necessarily wrong, because we believe the deceased are with Christ when they die. Maybe thief on the cross stuff, or, you know, there's plenty of biblical witness about that. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of a false summit. There's an even greater hope than I die and go to heaven. The greatest hope that we have as Christians is that Easter hope. Mm-hmm. It's that resurrection of the body, which is like a recreation. 
you think about creation, God makes you body and soul. What is death? It's the separation of body and soul. What is the ultimate hope of Christians? Is that my body and soul be reunited, but this time not in a sinful world where my body can decay and get sick and die, but rather with a glorified, immortal, spirited body. Hmm. So this is, uh, you know, to use Dr. Gibbs's illustration, that's the ultimate hope. That's the that's the real summit. Mm-hmm. Dying and going to heaven, it's good. It's it's a biblical promise, but there's an even greater hope uh, waiting for us as Christians. Yeah, and, and I we think confess that... that. I should say this: we confess that in the creeds mm-hmm. every Sunday, and and a lot of Christians don't even realize that's what we're confessing. Yeah, when we talk about, I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. That's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be essentially the closest approximation to what it will look like is when Adam walked in the garden with God, that there was a, a perfected, I think that and also Christ in the 40 days after his resurrection are the two examples we have of what that will look like um, for us. And it's that's a good that's a good destiny. It also shows, though, that like there will be certain things that that exist like. We won't be without purpose. We'll have purpose. We'll have work to do. We'll have love for our neighbors still. We'll have uh, sort of a, a, a command from God, but we'll be able to fulfill it perfectly because we'll be without sin. Yeah. You know, heaven isn't this sort of uh, comic image of of floating around in the clouds and playing harps and, and doing this, you know. Uh, That's good because that seems boring. <laughs> it seems terrible, right? C.S. Lewis would kind of write about this it, it, towards the tail end of the Chronicles of Narnia. We, have, we know about the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe and all that, but you get to like the last battle in those kind of books that get a little bit harder and more theological. There's this description of, of, of sort of this, this inbreaking of, of eternity, and it's not a less physical, sort of dreamlike, ethereal place. Rather, it is more physical than physical. Mm. Right. And, and I think that's one way to think about eternal life. It's it's not floating around. It's you have real purpose, mm-hmm. you know, untainted by greed and ambition and, you know, pride and all these things. Um, and I just, it, it's very exciting to think about what that's actually going to look like, because we are sort of prisoners of our sinful world. It's hard for us to imagine existence untainted by sin yep but that's what we will that's what we will receive it'll be a great adventure and it'll last forever pretty cool well i think that wraps up what i had unless you had something else you wanted to talk about before we wrap up today i'm good if you are man all right do you want to close this in prayer sam oh i can try all All right. right lord god heavenly father we thank you for the time we got to spend together today uh where we got to discuss Uh, what can be a difficult topic, but also a beautiful topic. Uh, When a saint's earthly journey comes to an end and they are received into God's kingdom and they await the resurrection of the body in that last glorious day when Christ returns. Uh, Lord, be with all of us as we keep the faith, as uh, as we dwell in the hope that we have because of Christ and his resurrection. Lord, be with us today. Keep us safe from all harm and danger and uh, help us return to serve you and our neighbors. 
We pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Sam. I appreciate your joining us for the conversation today. Um, just as a bit of uh, custodial work here, we've got uh, next week, we're going to be uh, continuing on our series on vocation. Uh, just to let you know, we've decided our next topic is going to be on Genesis part two, which is going to be chapters 12 uh, to the end of, I think it's 25, till the end of Abraham's life. We'll be focusing on Abraham and God's promise to him and his children. So I uh, hope you can uh, be involved in that discussion. And Sam, I appreciate you being with us. And uh, thanks for dropping in. With that, I'll say uh, have a great day in the Lord. and We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Coffee and Clergy podcast. We're glad you could join the conversation. Coffee and Clergy is a ministry of King of Kings Lutheran Church in Chesterfield, Missouri. You can catch us live on YouTube or Facebook on Wednesday mornings, and we post the podcast on Thursdays. For more information, check out our website at www.kokstl.org. Blessings on your day, and we'll see you next time.